If you've got your Bibles, won't you please take them out and uh, let's um, turn to the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 3. And the scripture we'll be uh, focusing on this morning is um, verse 5, but I'll start from verse 1 so that it puts it into context. But before I get to read that portion of scripture, um, just by way of introduction, as you know that we have been looking at this particular chapter, um, and we've been trying to make sense of um, this, the title. The title being No Confidence in the Flesh. So we've been trying to make sense of what that looks like, what that means, how it applies to us in our Christian life. And how are we to best live this life the way God has intended for us to live this life for His glory. Yes, for, and for our benefit, but certainly for His glory first. And as we have been looking at, at this uh, um, chapter, we have uh, come to see and understand and learn that the flesh encourages us to a point of self-effort. We have come to see and understand in our flesh, in our own ability, it encourages, I can do it. I don't need you. You don't need me. I can do it by myself. And in fact, I don't actually need God. I can do it by myself. That self-effort leads into what we uh, see in Scripture, this term legalism, which ultimately will fail us. Your self-effort, my self-effort, leads me into some sort of legalistic way of life. As I've mentioned, the, the, the most obvious things that we do is, you know, I've ticked the box, I've, I've prayed my, I've done my prayer, I've done my reading, I've, done the, I've, I've, I've obeyed, I've done those tick boxes, I've done those things in my own effort. And ultimately, we find that it will end up failing us. We are not fulfilled as a result of that. And now we've been trying to work at how, okay? These things are happening in our Christian environment. It's happening. How do we change it? How does it, how, what do we need to do to change it? And uh, we will see Paul will teach us, well, the Holy Spirit will teach us through this uh, writing in Philippians 3. Um, so let me read, let's read verse, uh, verse 1. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 1 says this. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. For me to write the same thing to you is not tedious, but for you it is safe. Verse 2. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of mutilation. Verse 3. For we are the circumcision who worship God in spirit, or in the spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. 
verse 4. Though I also might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. And then today's um, verse, verse 5. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, concerning the law, a Pharisee. This is obviously Paul writing to the Philippian church, his friends in Philippi who are caught up, they, they caught up with life as Christians, as we are today, caught up with life as Christians. And we're trying to live our, our best life, uh, the best way we can, to the glory of God, our Creator, God the Father. And uh, we, we, in, in verse 4, Paul made the point that when it comes to confidence in the flesh, he had an outstanding religious career. Paul could take confidence in the flesh. Paul says, I have done it. I have lived my life. I can say I've, I've put all my confidence in the flesh. Uh, and then today's verse, he describes or presents um, uh, these successes. Then we will see also today's verse and uh, verse 6. He then highlights seven items that he thought were his assets towards God. Seven items. He believed that these things would impress God. But when he met the Savior, Jesus, he found there were liabilities. And so here today, he will set the ledger straight. Using accounting terms, um, you get liabilities and you get assets. And so he built up his assets, thinking all these things that I'm doing, all these things, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Christian, I've been, and we'll go through them. These, these things commended him toward God in his thinking. And I wonder for us how it is as we live our lives, as Christians, as we are, as we are trying to be morally right, what are your assets? What are those things that you hold and you, you, can, you can almost stand before God and say, look at me, look at these things that I'm doing according to your word or to your way. They are actually my assets. Surely it's a tick box for me. Surely you are happy with these things. So have that in the back of your mind if you, if, um, as I carry on. So on the one side of the ledger, he documented the, um, the seven so-called assets he thought would recommend him to God. On the one side were all his assets, and then the other side was Jesus Christ. And when that side came, his assets, all the positive stuff that he believed were, were, would commend him to, before God, Jesus Christ came into his life, and then the... He traded all of these things, all of these wonderful things in his understanding. He traded them all for the sake of knowing Jesus Christ, his Savior. Now that was a, a, a radical turnaround. 
You can imagine you've been walking, you've, been, you've got these assets, you've been building, you've been, uh, you can commend yourself actually. And then um, this man, they call Jesus Christ, the Savior comes and uh, convicts you. You give all that stuff up for his sake. That's a, that's a, that's a radical turnaround. Would you do that? That's a radical turnaround. Especially for an uh, a outstanding religious person, outstanding someone who is a stickler in the religious um, uh, environment. So there's you know, uh, Pharisees were known to be sticklers for, for rules. They were known to be sticklers for, for for rules. They knew what the rules were, and they followed those rules. And so they could stand before other people and say, but I have done the, these things, and therefore I am okay. Jesus says, no, you don't need to do those things. All you need is me. All you need is me. And in some ways, uh, perhaps it is true of us as well. We tick boxes, we follow the processes, we, 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 we do what we need, we know we ought to do. And before God, we stand and think we are okay. Our hearts are okay, our lives are okay. And Jesus comes and says, but I've saved you. Galatians, as I mentioned last week, Galatians 5.3, it's for freedom that I've set you free. You don't need to work to get the freedom. It's been given to you because I have, I have I've paid the price for you to have this freedom. Yet I want to try and work and earn this freedom. It's like salvation. I want to try and earn my salvation. You cannot earn your salvation. But this we know. Yet we find ourselves uh, going back into the legalistic way of life. I've got to do stuff to earn my um, Right with God, as it were. Jesus says, no, you don't need to do those things. All you need is to believe in me and follow my leading. But we find that sometimes belief in our legalism becomes too much of a, of, of a, a big mountain that we battle to scale. You think about it, some people... Um, think that because they have never murdered anyone or stolen anything, anything significant anyway, because I can tell you every one of us have stolen something, whether it's time, whether it's uh, a pencil, whatever, we've stolen something. They think well, we, that that must impress God. I haven't done those bad things. I haven't... Um, um, I haven't sinned in, I haven't committed the big sins as it were. God must be impressed. God must like me. God must accept me. Ever, ever um, thought of those, or had those thoughts in your, in your life, in your Christian walk? I haven't done A, I haven't done B. God must accept me. My dear friends, the truth is, the only way God can accept you and I is through Jesus Christ. It's through the grace of Jesus Christ. That's why he sent his son to die for you and I. And without him, we are 
utterly um, unacceptable. Is it? Is it English? We are. We are not. We cannot. We cannot do anything for ourselves. We cannot. We cannot enter the presence of God apart from Jesus Christ. Let's look at the the seven items that Paul thought would give him brownie points before God and make sense of them. The first one, he says in this um, scripture, is that um, he was circumcised on the eighth day. His first asset of religion was when he was eight days old. Right off at the beginning of his life, he was conferred with religion. See, the, the, the eighth day was the day stipulated by the Old Testament, for, uh, Old Testament law for a young boy to be circumcised. It was, it was what happened. You're a Jewish young boy. On the eighth day, you needed to get circumcised. Circumcision was the external sign of the Abrahamic covenant, as we see in Genesis, which shows attachment to God in a covenantal relationship. So it was a, a practical practice. It was something that was done practically to show a spiritual um, acceptance before God. Paul was circumcised within the prescription of the Old Testament. And in fact, both John the Baptist and Jesus Christ himself were circumcised on the eighth day as well, just as the law demanded for them to be. Many people feel that um, they will stand tall in God's sight if they just follow the rules of the Bible. Some people who do not know God will open the Bible. It, it's morality. You want to live, you, you want to be a good person. And so you, if you just follow the rules, just follow what Jesus says, just, just or what the Bible says, you will, stand, you will be okay before God. And that's the furthest from the truth that they are at. You can follow all the rules. Tick, 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 all right. And you stand before God and say, well, well God says, well, why must I let you into my kingdom? Well, because I followed all the rules. Your, your word, I followed it. And then God would say, no. You did not accept my son, Jesus Christ. He's the only way. The only way to the Father is through Jesus Christ. He is the only way. And so when you accept him, you follow the, these, these then don't even become rules. They become way of um, a lifestyle that we are able to lead, uh, lead our lives according to. I made a statement last week and I said, you know, in, in, often in my life I would, I would complain to my wife and say, Christianity is so hard. Christianity is so hard. Why? Because in me, in my flesh, I'm sinful. I want sin is pleasing. I want sin. I, I, in my flesh, I want to I satisfy my sinful nature. But in my spirit, I, I, I can't. My spirit doesn't want me to. It doesn't stop me from doing it. It gives me the choice. 
And so, I mean, you know, Paul says, that thing that I want to do, I do not do. The thing that I, I, uh, I want, I do not want to do, I do. <laughs> oh, wretched man, you. You are, huh? Because there's a fight between the flesh, the flesh, and the spiritual person, you. That, you, know, you became alive in the spirit when you gave your heart to Christ. Before you were uh, a Christian, you were dead. You were dead in your sins and you gave your life to the things of this world. Your sinful nature ruled you. Jesus came and broke the, the curse of sin. He broke it. Now you are a different man. You're a different person. And so you, you, there's a battle. You forever, the flesh is forever wanting to, to, to be satisfied, to be pleased. The spirit is against the flesh. So I would complain and say, well, this, the Christian life is so hard. And she told me, but I mean, what's your problem? It's, sure, it's hard, but I mean, the only reason it's hard is because you are trying to do it out of self-effort. When I'm trying to live this Christian life out of my own energy, my own, myself, um, my ability, then it becomes difficult. But when I live this, try to live this Christian life under Jesus Christ, led by the Holy Spirit, guess what? It is that much more easier. It is not completely done. It's not like I can just cruise through because the flesh is forever fighting against the things of God. So Paul would say, he would say, the things I want to do, I cannot do. Things I don't want to do, I do. Oh, you wretched man, how? Because you're fighting, you're fighting. And you, which, which, which one are you going to give to? Which uh, of the two, the Spirit of God, your spirit, or your flesh, which one are you going to give energy to? Which one are you going to give time to? Which, are you give, which one are you, gonna, you going to give attention to? And God gives you and I the opportunity to make a choice. Even though we have been saved, even though we will be with Him one day, whilst we're here on, on earth, He still gives us the opportunity to make choices. With your choice, you can honor God. With your choice, you can dishonor God. With your choice, husbands, you can honor your wives. With your choice, you can dishonor your wives and vice versa. With your choice, you can honor the government. With your choice, you can dishonor the government. God gives us the opportunity to make choices. And he asks us to make choices that, are, um, that will honor him. Because when they honor him, they honor everything else. Everything else works. But it's still a fight. It's still a fight. But you cannot fight this fight alone. We need each other. We need to call each other out when things are not, we're not honoring God and honoring each other. We need to call each other out, but then we also need to help one another. We need to encourage one another. Two are better than one, the word says. Speaking obviously about marriage, but in a friendship, if you've got friends and someone comes to attack you by yourself, you are that much more vulnerable. With friends, you are that much more uh, powerful. 
or lack of a better word. So we need each other. But God does not, he does not uh, lord himself over us. He does not come and force you to make decisions. He gives you the choice. You can either choose right or wrong. But today he says, actually, the choices I give you, either they'll bring life to you or they'll bring death. It's up to you. Now, how do you know what choice to make unless you're uh, spending time in the Word of God, spending time with God, spending time not out of legalism, not out of uh, ritual, not because you want to just be found uh, pleasing toward Him. Because, you know, when you please Him, you will also be, uh, you will find yourself being fulfilled. And this life is a life of fulfillment, isn't it? It is a life of fulfillment. You can either fulfill yourself sinfully in the way of the world, or you can fulfill yourself through God's way. And that is by following Him. The one, I mean, one of the, the word also says that you cannot serve two masters. You cannot serve Mammon and God. You have to choose the one. And then so, so God says, okay, well, I'm going to give you money. You need money to live. You need, you need, all, you need to live. I've given you this uh, life, this body, and you need to live. And he says to you, okay, for money not to get a hold of you, you actually need to give. So that money doesn't have a hold on you, you actually need to give. Now, in my sinful nature, I think it's that it should be the other way, the opposite. So that money doesn't have a hold of me, I need to receive. <laughs> But Jesus says, no, it's not like that. Blessed are you who give. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Do we believe that? Do we live like that? All these little principles that God places and puts in, 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 uh, in the word. And then he says, you decide. You choose. I won't force you. You decide. See, the, the right of religion is a mechanism. Mechanisms do not influence God. Believe it or not, confirmation, you know, um, when we get baptized, can I even say the Lord's Supper, breaking of bread, in themselves, do not impress God. Those things don't impress God. It is the personal relationship with God that means something, that means everything. So you breaking bread out of religious religiosity does not impress God. But you breaking bread because you uh, have a, this relationship with God that you want to please Him and bring glory to Him, that is what gives Him glory. That is what delights Him. That is what pleases Him. Through faith, it pleases Because you're breaking... How does this work? You're breaking bread. Uh, but in faith, it's a remembrance of what Christ did on the cross for you and I. And in faith, you believe that it to be true. We haven't seen God. We haven't seen Christ. We were not there when He got crucified. But we believe what the Word says and we follow what the Word says. So it's like coming to church and being a part of a church community 
in itself does not impress God. You can still, you can, one can be a, a church girl for years and one day when they meet the king might not spend eternity uh, with the king because they had no true relationship with the king of kings and the lord of lords. And that is a scary place. It's a scary thought that you could be here and one day not be with the king. One day be away from the king. Of course, we know that uh, there's assurance of salvation. We are safe because we know God. We, he, uh, the, the Holy Spirit testifies on our behalf. He brings correction. He, uh, he nudges us. He shows us all these things that are ones that bring us closer to Him. So you don't have to worry. You don't have to stress. You know where you are with Christ this morning. You know your relationship. The point is, all these activities, all these legalistic activities, apart from having a, relation, a true, genuine relationship with God, they mean nothing. They mean nothing. Many people to whom Paul wrote were Jewish converts. They were circumcised late in life. They were not circumcised on the eighth day. Paul, in contrast to them, was circumcised on the prescribed day according to the law. Technically speaking, Paul was more religious than they were. That's a, quite a bit of info regarding the first, uh, first asset, the first item. But it's just to get the point across that actually our religiosity means nothing to God. It means nothing to God. It does not impress God. What impresses God is Jesus Christ in you. The work of Christ in you. So our, our, our responsibility as we live on this earth, as He's given us this life, is to seek His face and ask Him to lead us and ask Him to guide us and show us, Father, what do I need to do? What do I need to give away? What do I need to, what do I need to do? What is going to be pleasing to you, King Jesus? So here we have before us an autobiography of an intensely religious man. Paul could stand and say, I've done it all. I, I am a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was a capable man, a confident man. This thing about religion, he knew all about it. He knew all about it. He could actually work around it. He knew all about it. So religion gave him a facade, a veneer, a, a, um, an image, almost a fake image. He could stand before people and people could say he's a religious man. He's, he's got, he ticks the, bo the boxes. People looked at him and they would look up to him because he's a religious man. Paul dependent upon his religion, his character and morality. He thought religion would commend him to God. The second item 
on the list of four, was, it says that he was of the stock of Israel. This is the second um, list of accomplishments before God. He came from a good stock. Now, to come from a good stock is not in itself bad. He came from a family that steeped noble ideals into their children. It is good to come from a fine family stock, as it were. A family that prays together, reads together, reads the word together, and reaches out to others together. It's good to come from those uh, healthy uh, backgrounds, but it is another issue to rest our uh, on our family roots to impress God. Some people feel they are right with God just because they come from a country that professes to be a Christian country. I come from a Christian country. Kenya, for instance, is known as a Christian country. So then I'm born in, uh, from Kenya or in Kenya. Therefore, I'm right before God because I come from a, a, a good country, a good religious country. However, that does not impress God either. Some people feel they are right with God just because they, they uh, have grown up in the church. The kids who have grown up in the church, with the, with the parents or pastors or whatever the case is, they've grown up in the church and so they feel as though they are right, perhaps they are right before God, which is not true. So even for us raising our kids, us young uh, parents, just because we are raising our kids in the church does not mean that they are right before God. Of course, there comes a, 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 a stage or an age where they have to make decisions. They have to make decisions for themselves. They have to make decisions before God for themselves. That's why it's important for us to be fine to be raising our kids, to be finding a place where we, we are hearing the word of God, we are engaging one another, we are challenging one another, and we are lifting each other up. We, we're not, we're not um, just thinking about us, we're thinking about others as well. It's healthy. You see... Good roots, good backgrounds do not gain God's approbation. Do not, does not gain God's acceptance. It can help, but it does not gain God's acceptance. I think um, for the sake of time, I'm going to leave it at number two. So number one, he was circumcised the eighth day. Number two, he came from a good stock of the stock of Israel. 
five more to go through. Some are shorter, but I don't want to rush through them. So I'm going to leave them, leave it here for today. But in, in, in just thinking and in closing, I wonder what areas of our lives we tick the box and say, I'm right, I'm, I'm, I'm okay before God because I follow these things. I wonder what you do out of your strength to be right with God? Question mark. What do you do in your own strength to be right before God? Think about that. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, God, that we can learn that, God, you give us choices. That, Father, in you, there's hope. And so this morning, Father, I ask that you'd help us, you'd show us, Father, the areas in our lives that we are trying to do things out of self-effort so that it can be right with you which actually then will lead us further away from you. I pray for myself. I pray for my friends. I ask Jesus that you show us and that you help us to change that which needs to change. Thank you, Lord, that today you say to us, today I give you a choice. Make a choice and each choice has a consequence. You can either choose life or you can choose death. Help us, God, to choose life in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Amen.